Hello, and welcome to another episode of Military Transition Stories, the podcast where veterans share their experience and advice about transitioning from military to civilian life. I'm your host, Trey Tatro. I'm a realtor and military relocation professional here in Northern Virginia. To hear more episodes, visit militarytransitionstories.com or subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Today, we are talking with Stacy Redman, who served in the Army and is now president and CEO of SAMS here in Alexandria, Virginia. Here with Stacy today, and we are actually in your office. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> Stacy, you started uh, SAMS, and I'm going to go ahead and let you, uh, since we're in your office, I'm going to let you introduce you know, what, what your business does, um, what your military background was, and then we will go ahead and take it from there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me here today. I'm very excited to meet you in person, um, and it's uh, good to have this experience, and I'm glad that we uh, were the, the first interviewee to be interviewed in person for your podcast, so thank you. Yeah, yeah, this is our first episode where we're recording actually together as opposed to, you know, over the phone, so yeah. this is exciting. Yeah, so thanks for being here. We're glad to host you and glad to have you. Oh, thank you. Um, so SAMS is what we provide our lifecycle uh, technology solutions from uh, advisory services to manage solutions. Um, so anything IT um, and around our customer's decision experience, that's where SAMS is. Uh, we made a decision to stop trying to be all things to all people as we celebrated our 10th anniversary last year and really to focus on what we do best and where we add significant value to our customers. So that's uh, where we are and very excited about entering our 11th year of business in June. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. The, especially, you know, those first couple of years are the hardest. So yeah. to make it all the way past 10 and then still be pivoting and, you know, refining your niche and everything from an entrepreneur's perspective, you know, that's that's pretty awesome. Well, absolutely. I think you have to um, not necessarily reinvent yourself, but refine yourself to stay relevant in the market space. We don't want to be blockbuster. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. And uh, so let's uh, rewind. You were in the uh, Army. Why don't you go ahead yes. and tell us what you did in the Army? Yeah. So in the Army, my official title uh, there, uh, my military occupational specialty, was a tactical satellite microwave systems operator. So that was my uh, official uh, military occupational specialty. Um, what that boils down to is I did communications. Okay. Um, and I worked on a lot of equipment from uh, satellite to RF to troposcatter to um, uh, various military radio systems. Okay. Yeah. And, and so this is actually our second take on this podcast. <laughs> uh, we had some technical difficulties the first time we started recording it. So uh, I'm going to try and pull in a few things that we talked about before okay. since since that won't be tied in here. Yeah. Uh, but you said that you went straight into uh, the military out of high school, correct? I did, yes, I did. Uh, so I graduated from high school in June and I actually um, uh, signed uh, to enter the Army in November Okay. Um, uh, of the same year, uh, the same year I graduated. So I was still 17, I graduated high school very early. Um, but. And the thing for me, the reason I chose, I think we dialogued on this before, um, the reason I chose that military occupational specialty is because 
of course, you know, when we're talking early 80s, mm-hmm. um, was they, you know, the jobs that were coming up were what you would traditionally think of a woman back then, administrative. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm not looking for something like that because I could stay here. Right. stay at home and do those things so right. I really wanted I really wanted something different you know I really wanted to learn a skill I came from um, a small steel town as I mentioned in central Pennsylvania and I uh, you know experienced my father working um, in the steel mill and layoffs associated with such during that time frame and uh, home, you know, going into foreclosure and, you know, things of that nature. And I had literally been working since I was 14. Um, so if I was going to, you know, make these sacrifices to be away from the family and make this commitment, I wanted it to be for something uh, that was going to uh, add value and have potential for me later on in my career. Right. So I wanted something a little bit more meaningful than what I could already do there in central Pennsylvania at home. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and it seems like uh, that step certainly led to being able to do a little more than what going that traditional you know, admin route would have opened up for you. Oh, absolutely. It certainly did. Um, what I didn't know at the time um, after I got on active duty and went through all my schooling was that what I had done was entered an area that was predominantly male. So as I moved up and progressed in my military career, um, uh, I was around all males and I was leading uh, male platoon, uh, male squadron, male platoon. And um, so that was very interesting to be in a, you know, male-dominated environment for most of my military career. Uh, But it benefited me in in many ways and continued to benefit me uh, over the course of my career post-military. And I've always been in those kind of non-traditional roles Mm -hmm. and feel comfortable operating in those environments. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that you've, uh, you know, since then and in between leaving the military and then uh, coming to start SAMS, you've worked with a lot of the, you know, the big dog contractors as well, like Northrop and Booz Mm -hmm. Allen. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that the military helped open up doors Mm -hmm. uh, for the, for post-military and leading to all that as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, taking the military experience and then later in through my continuing education and going to college once again, going in those at that time, and, uh, you know, I'm prefacing everything at that time. Right. Because the environment is very different today, thank goodness, um, for women. But um, at that time, these were non-traditional career fields. Um, so that was the area that I chose to go into in my higher level education um, and that benefited me um, that and my military experience benefited me when I first entered the workforce seriously uh, post uh, 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 higher education uh, working with TRW um, and working as a initially as a field support engineer um, on some of the Army's digitization efforts. Okay. Um, again, um, 
you know, really in the thick of things with computers and interoperability and data and, you know, all of these technology solutions. Right. And uh, because of my experience in the military, of course, that benefited me in knowing these systems and knowing the environment. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, absolutely. And we talked about some on, on take one, uh, but I definitely want to bring it back up because it was, you know, it was, I thought it was really beneficial. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about uh, transitioning out of the military mm -hmm. and, you know, into the civilian workforce. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I know that was a while ago and you had mentioned that, you know, obviously in that time a lot of new resources have come along and yeah. uh, the military and, and other organizations are really taking steps to make it easier for people to, you know, when they are transitioning to start that process to know, um, you know, sort of what route they want to go down. Sure. Uh, but you didn't necessarily have those options available when you were going through your transition. Yeah, no, the resources weren't available. And when I say easier, I say uh, in terms of, I don't know if transition is easy. Right. Per se, but in terms of resources, we'll right. talk about that way. Um, but no, when I exited the military, which was completely unexpected um, due to uh, injury and, and uh, unable to continue my service, um, there, I was in Germany. Uh, my husband and I were stationed over there, both stationed over there at the time. And there were, of course, n no resources available. Right. Um, you know, there wasn't the VA. There certainly wasn't uh, veteran service organizations that were easily accessible, um, even the ones that existed at that time that were easily accessible from Darmstadt, Germany, where we were stationed. So, uh, you know, there wasn't this uh, jumping-off point that I could leverage to help me with this transition. I was kind of on my own, yeah. Uh, which uh, in and of itself was very challenging. And, and due to the fact that when I, when I was sent to Germany, I was sent in uniform, I didn't benefit from some things like military hiring, spouse preference, mm -hmm. uh, it enabled to be, which would have enabled me you know, to have higher preference. Um, for employment situations, right. uh, so it was it was very challenging. It was tough uh, for our remaining years in Germany. Yeah. So yes, that transition over there was it was tough, and uh, wasn't e even when I came stateside when we PCS back to the states, and uh, we went back to Fort Hood. Um, it, you know, once again. Uh, making that transition still with limited resources and post several years now, um, it was it was a challenge as a transition. So it was kind of just winging it and <laughs> kind of navigating that uh, transition myself. So yeah, mm -hmm. and, and like you said, it's not necessarily easier now. There's more resources, but even. Yeah. more resources can end up making it sometimes even harder well, because be then it's taxing. like, where do I start? Yeah, that can be taxing <laughs> because it can be overloading, yeah. especially when it's unexpected. Yeah, You know, you, you're coming from, the military does a good job at um, assimilating uh, because we have to and, um, you know, setting a culture. So uh, immediately you're in doctrine uh, into the military. You know, you're, you're wearing the same things, you're looking the same things, you're saying the same things. So immediately your family is, is known and you're indoctrined into this family. So when that is taken away in a matter of, you know, 72 hours, 
there's very limited transition or even if you've had time right. to parse this information that camaraderie that develops there um, and you take that away from someone is is very heartfelt yeah. so mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah. Um, because you didn't have you know as many resources available you definitely went through something that resources available or not everyone's got to deal with which yeah. is figuring out how to actually translate the uh, the experience and the skills that you you know learn during the military and mm -hmm. be able to translate that into a way that uh, the civilian workforce can understand sure. so what was kind of your process for going going through um, you know all of your experience and then translating that so that whenever you did sit down and have those conversations, you could actually <laughs> get people to understand <laughs> as opposed to just a blank stare in their yeah, face. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Um, you know, first off, you, you do what you know. So I was very fortunate that through a lot of due diligence uh, in Germany, I was able to pick up a, a civil servant position with military police investigations. Um, so I was still kind of in that military environment and interacting with people who we spoke the same language. So that, uh, that was very beneficial. When I came stateside, um, I did once again pick up a civil servant position and it was with Department of Veterans Affairs. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I'm operating in an environment where I'm still connected with the military. And then uh, even after that, that position ended and I made the decision to go to, cut, go to school uh, and pursue my higher education. When I left that and I went to work with TRW, my client was the U.S. Army. So I've operated, you know, kind of in that environment throughout the life of my, my career. So transitioning for me, I guess... It, you know, I transitioned just a little bit. Right. <laughs> just you've a still little been, bit. I've still, still been part of all of it. So I, I feel like some days I feel like I've never really left, which is great, right. which is a good thing. Um, but I would say I would say this, you know, uh, trying to initially trying to find that first opportunity and correlating those job skills to something that would be relevant that a civilian uh, would understand. It was very challenging um, because there weren't, again, I'm going to go back to resources. There certainly weren't resources. Now there are resources available, and um, I know even uh, Google, and I just read an article, I think I mentioned this to you the last time we talked, I read an article last week that Google actually has a translator where you can enter your military occupational specialty and it actually has a translator for job skills mm -hmm. that are matching and it's a free resource so I'm very excited to see Google stepping up yeah. to try to help our folks make that transition and help them make that correlation because we do so many things in the military that are so relevant to industries beyond serving in the military that it's nice to see others recognizing that right um and then again with this uh, with a little bit of self-promotion uh sitting on the easter seals board and uh, here in the dmv and having the benefit of uh working with and leveraging and knowing the veteran staffing network an abundant amount of resources free resources there that these are all veterans um, who work in this veteran staffing network that will 
are tied to helping military and family members of military mm -hmm. find employment post their military careers. And they also have a lot of tools that are free for use um, that will help uh, service members and family members of service members help them make that transition and help them get that words right, right. and make that correlation. Because it can be challenging, yeah. but we've done so many things in the military that directly correlate to the civilian industry. Sometimes you just need a little help in recognizing that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let, let's talk about entrepreneurship some. Yeah. Because you've obviously gone on to start a successful business and have been at that for more than a decade now. So what was it that uh, you know, kind of sparked the idea of, well, I guess first, did you, coming out of the military, even before the military, did you have any intention of wanting to start your own company? No. <laughs> no. That's an easy question. No, had not even considered it. Again, um, you know, this is not something that I had a footprint for. As I mentioned, I grew up in a very small town in central Pennsylvania. My mom was a state employee. Um, she started out as a key punch operator. My dad uh, was an electrician in the steel mill. Um, so, you know, entrepreneurship, they didn't graduate, go to or graduate from college. Right. Um, this entrepreneurship was not something that was, you know, in our vocabulary. Right. Uh, so never in my life did I think that this would be a path for me. Um, what happened was I knew that over the course of my career, I knew that I got bored easily. I was able to recognize that. Um, I knew that I was always looking for ways to do things better. I knew that there were things that I were clearly passionate about. And I, I knew that I wanted to make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, I knew those things, but I didn't know how to put those together. I knew that I was a learner, uh, right. and I knew that that was very important. And whatever I did, I had to be constantly learning. Otherwise, I was going to get bored. Yep. And when you get bored, you check out, right? Yep. I'm the same um, way. <laughs> yeah, so I, I knew those things. Um, but it wasn't until... I, you know, took like some of these, um, you know, uh, tests, you know, evaluation tests and really kind of started to say, okay, what kind of person are you really? And found out, okay, so it's okay to get bored easily. Um, you know, there's other people like me. This right. is not, you know, <laughs> abnormal. Um, you know, it's okay. And then I started really reading about entrepreneurs and business owners and I'm like wait a second I am seeing a lot of some tr similar traits and recognizing that this actually has a, a name right. you know so it was exciting for me to um, say this is normal <laughs> this is no you you are okay <laughs> you are okay so um, that was good but uh, recognizing that and being okay with it. So then it became, all right, so if this is really a good fit for you, then what are you gonna do about it? Um, so I just kind of backburnered it and thought, eh, okay, maybe someday. My kids were young, just you know, really never considered it. 
But what happened is over the course of my civilian career and working with industry, I became very good um, at interoperability and uh, particularly within technologies and had advanced significantly um, with those Fortune 500 companies. Uh, so much so that I ended up working uh, at the Pentagon in the Army CIO office. And I happened to be sitting there going through, at that time, a weapon systems review. And a weapon systems review is where the funding decisions are being made uh, for IT investments, basically, uh, in this case. And all the leadership is there and you know all the uh, vendors are there and you know decisions are being made about the investments and I was watching some programs being presented by these vendors but they weren't getting funded Mm -hmm. and having you know been the recipient of uh, programs and capabilities I knew that at the time these certainly were things that I would have wanted and benefited from had I still been in uniform. Right. So I was very um, frustrated and kind of disenchanted that there were things that weren't getting funded. Um, And I also, you know, we were, of course, living in the DMV at the time, and I also was, you know, very surprised at watching my peers go from contracting company to contracting company to contracting company there wasn't there was a lot of this badge flipping Mm -hmm. and again coming from this small town in pennsylvania you went to a company and you retired from that company you didn't there wasn't loyalty there right um so it it just disconnected from me and i thought wait a second this this is not my world one and is there a way to do this better and can I take this passion this thing that I'm passionate about passionate about can I take this and turn this into an opportunity so I prayed about that I thought about that long and hard and I said you know I I think so Um, so I started you know socializing this with some of my uh, very close friends and you know telling them, look, give me the skinny. Do you think, you know, am I out on a limb here or do you really think something's possible? Um, And I got some very candid feedback and I said, okay, I I think it is. Um, So, but what I knew at that time is that I had never worked for a small business. I had only worked for the large companies. Some of the largest in the The, world. (laughs) Some of the the largest in the the Fortune, you know, 100s, right? So I said, well, I need to, I need to go work at a small business because it's going to look very different than what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew a, a small business owner um, and her company was becoming medium sized and was growing very fast and I, I thought very highly and respected this woman. And I knew there was an opportunity there for us to, we had a relationship, but to deepen that relationship and to gain um, a mutual learning environment from both of us. We could benefit from each other. Right. And uh, so I, I went to work for her. And I gained a lot more insight into uh, small business and some of the nuances and uh, associated with that. 
and I was there for a little over a year and a half um, when you know the opportunity presented itself for me to launch SAMS mm -hmm. and uh, so I launched SAMS and and that's kind of where it began um, still with the same passion and commitment you know that started it from conceptually right. um, just a vision of sitting in that weapon systems review and saying you know at the end of the day we want to be doing the right thing I want to be able to lay my head on that pillow and say you know what we did the right thing we made that positive impact and we did it fairly mm -hmm. um, and we know who we did it for and if we get all those things right then we did good so so for someone who's thinking about you know possibly going and starting their own business do you do you think that going and actually working for uh, a smaller company and seeing how that operated um, two parts a was that you know really beneficial to helping you mm -hmm. uh, get started and starting your own and then B uh, when you did that did you you know, did you tell them kind of up front, like, I'm thinking about starting my own business, so I'm looking at this as more of a, you know, 12 to 18, 24-month role mm -hmm. uh, to where I can then take the experience to go and actually start, you know, start my own company? Sure. Yeah. So, um, definitely. I mean, I was pretty honest, you know, with my intent up front mm -hmm. um, because... I knew I was a learner, so I knew that I was not going to be there for very long. Um, and having that learning experience, I think, which is you know actually beneficial, and go backwards, which is actually beneficial, is maybe that's again a product of my environment. Um, is in the military, we always do those after actions reviews, right? right? What do we do well? What do we do wrong? What could we do better in the future? So I think you have to go into situations with eyes wide open and you should assess that situation. You're better positioned before you make that commitment mm -hmm. because there's institutional knowledge. There's knowledge to be gained from others. There's experiences to be gained from others that you can benefit from going in so that you don't make the same mistakes or have the same challenges or you've mitigated ways to overcome those challenges going in and I think that's very important to take a look at what you want to do and then you seek out those people who are doing it there's a lot of great people who are willing to help who are willing to share their stories who are you know willing to be part of your network right um, so that you can benefit from their experiences so always look for those opportunities there's a lot of great folks yep so. yeah and there, there's always people who are willing to have a conversation and you know help out if they can so absolutely it doesn't yeah. hurt to ask for at least for coffee no. or something <laughs> no I mean if you don't then the answer is always no yep, so exactly. but you at least have to ask yep yeah well, I know you've got a busy day today, so I don't want to take us too long with this, but I do want to go ahead and ask one final question. Sure. Same one that we always try and end on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm sure that you'll have a pretty cool answer for, for this, being, you know, hitting just over that decade with your own business. Uh, but how do you personally define success? This is a tough question because I think success, of course, means different things to different people, yep. and it can mean different things at different points in your life. 
You're right. right? Yep. Along along that lifeline, it can mean different things. And I success for me is I'm always challenging myself. So I have many successes, mm-hmm. right? Um, I have small goals, and the, I find that those small goals are more attainable than those one big goals. Right. So to give a clear definition of success, I can't do that right. because my success is ever-changing based on the things that I accomplish. Because just when you think that something's not possible, you make it happen. Right. And then you should be setting a new goal for right. yourself, then it's challenging okay on to the yourself next thing. <laughs> constantly, right? Yep. So success for me is continuing to grow and learn from those experiences and how they benefit others and how they add value, not only to yourself personally, but to others as well. Well, that's good because uh, you know I asked this question and I've always thought, I'm glad no one ever turns around and asks me because I don't have an answer, <laughs> but now I can steal your answer because <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty, pretty close to what I would say for mine as well. So I think I'll just go ahead and hopefully somebody doesn't listen to this whenever I tell them that answer. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Feel free to borrow. <laughs> well, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. But Stacy, I appreciate all your time and sharing all of your insight. I know we could dive a lot more into, I mean, we covered a lot of ground there. Yeah. But yeah, it was great to, you know, hear from you and kind of what led to starting your company as well as, you know, how the military helped with that and just sort of what that path looked like. Well, thank you for the experience and thank you for taking the time. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service, and be sure to check out all of our other episodes at militarytransitionstories.com. I'm your host, Trey Tatro, and if you or someone you know are moving in the Northern Virginia area, I'd be happy to help you find your new home. If you live in another part of the country but need the assistance of a professional realtor, I'd be happy to connect you with someone from my extensive network of military relocation certified realtors. Thanks for listening.